0: If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and Proverbs in chapter number three, Proverbs and chapter number three. This year, we're placing an emphasis on the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, and we have a desire to obtain wisdom, to find wisdom, and so through this, when we have empty spots within our regular series this year, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs and examine a little bit more about the wisdom that God can give us through his precious word and the wisdom that we truly need to uh, live a fulfilled life. We find more about this idea of wisdom and the life that we could have through wisdom in the book of Proverbs chapter number three, the book of Proverbs and chapter number three. and if you don't mind, let's pick it up in verse number 13. Proverbs, chapter three, and in verse 13, the Bible says this: <coughs> "Happy is the man." "...that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor." Her ways are of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is one that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding he hath established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let them depart or let them not let not them depart from thine eyes, keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall thy life be unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs, chapter three? The book of Proverbs, chapter three, and notice with me in verse thirteen, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we do want to have happiness in our life. We want to have a life that is enjoyable, a life of peace, a life that's not wrecked with sin and strife, not with consequences of sin, that we want to have a life that we could be fulfilled, purposeful, and enjoyed. And you say that we can have it if we obtain wisdom. I'm asking that you would help us to understand what that means, what that looks like, and just describe it to us in a clear way that we would be willing to chase after and capture, obtain, and hold wisdom. Once again, I dare not try to explain things in my own intellect, my own way, So the best I know how I surrender myself to you, my thoughts, my minds, my goals, my understanding, that's all yours. That you just get accomplished what you want to get accomplished through your precious word. Fill me with your spirit and that we would come out of here looking at you saying, what a great God. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now as we come to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, we start speaking about wisdom, and there's an interesting personification that happens here. If you don't mind, I'd like to explain that to you before we start diving in the text specifically. Let's see this personification of wisdom. The personification of wisdom. Now, wisdom comes from God, and we know it's something that we need to obtain. Wisdom is a gift from the Holy Spirit that God grants us wisdom. Holy Spirit's the one who gives us this wisdom. We've spoken about wisdom bit by bit before. Now, in Proverbs chapter 3 and in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is personified as a woman. Now, what is this idea of personification or a big fancy word, anthropomorphizing? It carries the idea that we're taking a concept and we're trying to turn it into a person so therefore we can have a better relatability with that concept, with that idea. Throughout the Bible here in verse 15, she is more precious. It's speaking about wisdom. Verse 18, she is a tree of life. Verse 17, her ways. So what it's talking about is it's showing wisdom and it's giving it the personification of a woman. So why is wisdom personified as a woman? That's a good question. Especially since in the New Testament, we see that wisdom is another name for the Holy Spirit. So why is wisdom personified as a woman here? That's a great question. Let's go ahead and understand this and why it is being done. Now we know that as you are taking a concept like wisdom and you're turning it into a personification, turning it to something like man that we could understand to. And by the way, people do this, right? Have you ever taken a toy and you talk to it and, or an animal and you put human traits to it and try to relate to it? We, we do that all the time. We personify things. We anthropomorph it, trying to turn it to more of a man because we have a better relatability. You know, uh, I'll just sidekick it really quick. Some of us have cats. And we try to make human feelings, thinking and justifications of the cat that the cat honestly doesn't have. That we say, oh, look, my cat loves me. Your cat probably doesn't even realize you exist. If you're not there, then it complaint. You, know, you understand what we do, is that we do this quite often. You know, we try to anthropomorphize Anthomorphize, you know, you see that frog and you can imagine what it's thinking. It's probably not thinking what you think it's thinking. So we do this. We do this as a poetical construct, a literary construct, to try to take a concept and turn it into a human form so we could better relate to it, so it could teach us something about it. And that's what's happening here, is that it is a literary, poetical construct of personifying a concept such as wisdom so we can have a better understanding and a better grasp of this wisdom. So why turn it to a woman? Why turn it to a girl? Well, that's because in English, we don't have a gender, a grammatical gender. We're one of the languages that do not. But if you study such thing as Spanish or French, German or whatnot, you'll notice that they have uh, in their normal language, nouns that have female, masculine, or neuter form. That's just part of how other languages work. In many languages like Hebrew, they do have a strong gender component. However, the gender assignment is grammatical and not necessarily trying to denote the physical gender of an object. For example, if I have an eraser, I can call that eraser a her, but it doesn't mean it's really a Her. It's just something that's assigned to it. People do that with their trucks today, right? I've got a boy trucker, I've got a girl truck. You understand it's a truck, but people will anthropomorphize it. Well, in language, what will happen is that they will often have a, a gender assignment to it as a grammatical construct because you've got to make all the verbs match, the adverbs match, it's just part of linguistics. Let me give an example. In Spanish, the word guitar is feminine. So that's just how it is. It doesn't mean it's a girl guitar. It just means that the assigned grammatical word is that it is feminine. And in Spanish, a car is masculine. It's just how it is. Just to confuse you even more, the Spanish word for masculinity is a female verb. A female assignment. Just how it is. It's just, it doesn't mean that it's girl or it's girl-ish, that if you have a car, you're masculine. It just carries the idea that's how their languages work and that their nouns carry with it an idea of gender, male or female. Well, in Proverbs, the word wisdom in Hebrew carries with it a, a female component. And so in order to make all of the things match they're going to continue to use that female component not denoting that it is female but it is just trying to make all of the language ma- match for example you don't want to say wisdom she goes out and give it to him that would be confusing you need to make everything match all the way through it so As you're turning it to a literary construct and you're personifying it as a woman, in order to make everything match, you have to make it match its gender case, which is going to be female. Does that make sense? Now, since Solomon, who understood Hebrew and hadn't understood how language works, carried on through it, since it's feminine anyways, what? let's go ahead and carry it with this picture that she's a woman. Now, what's going to happen is that they're going to contrast Lady Wisdom with another lady that pops up all the way through Proverbs, Lady Folly. So you're going to have these two things. It helps set up this political thing. Since it's already in female case, let's go ahead and keep it female. And let's go ahead and match because now we can have apples to apples. Let's compare a feminine example of wisdom compared to a feminine example of folly. Does that make sense? We know that people like to do the gender wars, so it'd be funner in some people's mind, I don't know if that's a correct word, to make it, well, the bad guy's men and the good girls are good people are women. You know, some people might enjoy that, but it doesn't put an accurate comparison. It is a better comparison to be able to have two ladies, one of them personifies wisdom, and the other one personifies folly. And you can look as we're turning it to a personification, what does wisdom look like? What is she dressed like? How does she talk? And now as we're making this personification, we get a picture in her mind, someone who is eloquent, someone who carries herself well, someone who watches her speech, as in comparison to Lady Folly, who is dressed not appropriately, who uses her words that come out like honey to draw people in, and that she has an ulterior murder motive. And that if you get a hold of wisdom, you're gonna have a good life. If you get a hold of Lady Folly, you're gonna end up wrecking your life and going to destruction. And we can have that in our mind as pictures. Remember, we think in pictures. So instead of saying the word wisdom and the word folly, if you can get in your mind a picture of wisdom of someone who is eloquent, graceful, someone who has culture, someone who carries herself well, someone who's someone that you would enjoy spending your life with and not making you miserable as compared to the cheap thrill of the moment, the th- one that's going to give you a pleasure for a season and then destroy your life and everything that goes along with it. To have someone, if I married a lady like Folly, then I'm not going to have a good day, uh, life. I'm going to have someone who's going to nag me all the time and someone who's going to tell me I'm worthless and use all my money and run up. You, know, you understand, But if I marry someone like lady wisdom, I'm going to have someone who's going to be a partner in my marriage and that we're going to work together to help each other succeed. You understand? We have these pictures here. And so Solomon's doing this for this idea of to show the picture, to do a comparison that just by looking at the way they dress and the way they carry themselves, good, bad, good, bad. Since I'm here, I'll kick this cat again, too. Do you know that there's a way that people dress that can identify whether you are good or bad? There is this idea of how you carry yourself, how you dress, how you speak that personifies wisdom or folly. So, as Solomon is encouraging others to find lady wisdom, what happens? When someone finds wisdom. Let's dive into the text now. We see next of all, finding, um, finding wisdom brings happiness. Finding wisdom brings happiness. Heaven's recipe for happiness is to find wisdom. Notice with me verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. And the that and sorry, and the man that getteth understanding. The Bible consistently teaches that there could be no happiness without holiness. The lost world looks for happiness everywhere. They look at happiness under every corner, every crevice, every dark spot, every high spot. They look for this and they look for this. And their goal is to find happiness. I just want something to make me happy. And what they do is they fill themselves with little things that will make them have a moment of pleasure and then they're left more empty than they were before. They look for happiness in drugs. I just want to forget. But they end up seeing there's more consequences. Well, I find happiness in this cause. But what happens? That cause runs out and it didn't bring happiness. Well, I find happiness in companionship. But if you put all of your hopes in that companionship, what happens when that companion lets you down? You understand that the world is looking for it all over the place except the one who could give us permanent lasting happiness. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ that comes from him. They think they could find it in pleasure, money, marriage, religion. But without God and without his word, these approaches to happiness are impossible possible. Notice as the Bible describes this more in verse 14. For the merchandise of it, what is this it? Of wisdom and understanding. The merchandise of wisdom is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Wisdom when it's gained, it's better than silver. Wisdom when it is gained is better than gold. Now again, you talk to someone who Has happiness as their goal. And you say, do you want wisdom or do you want a million bucks? They'll pick the million bucks because they think that somehow that million dollars will give them happiness. That million dollars will never buy them happiness. You cannot buy happiness. You could buy a tiny bit of pleasure for a season, but it's going to be empty. You could ask all those billionaires out there who are miserable that it never satisfied And it never made them happy. Wealth cannot buy that happiness. Wealth cannot buy us one moment of time. Wealth cannot buy love. Wealth cannot avert hate. It cannot buy peace with God. But you know what? Wisdom can. Wisdom can do all of those things. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 15. She, was speaking about wisdom, is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Someone could set their life in obtaining wealth, but that wealth cannot satisfy. But if you have wisdom, you could use that wealth wisely. Someone who's wise knows how to use wealth but someone without wisdom doesn't know how to use it and thinks it's going to make them happy and it will not. So if you have the choice between wealth and wisdom, wisdom is the better option. Wisdom is the better buy. Wisdom is the better value. Wisdom is what we should be seeking after. And yet so many people would rather seek after wealth and they continue to fall short on the goal of happiness that they think it brings. So not only finding wisdom brings happiness, but we find something else here that finding wisdom brings health. Finding wisdom brings health. Notice with me in verse 16. Length of days is in her right hand and her left hand's riches in honor. So now the Bible is saying we need to look at her hands. So with this personification of a lady as wisdom, you look in her right hand. And you look in her left hand and wisdom has something in both. In her right hand is length of days. Length of days. For those who embrace wisdom will more than likely find length of days compared to those that find, look in the hands of Lady Folly. I come from the south And you could tell if someone is really accepted what Lady Folly has, usually followed by these words, hey, y'all watch this. And usually that's followed by a shortening of life some way, somehow. Hey, y'all watch this. Oh, I want to run an illustration. Okay, I will. My brother's fun. My brother's an old cowboy. And... um, (coughs) My brother would ride uh, Bronx and he would ride bulls. I would ride Bronx, but I would never touch a bull. I'm not stupid. He was. And uh, my brother would used to brag that he could ride anything. And, you know, they would put him to the test, you know, whether it's the smooth barrel that's uh, on a rope between trees or something or whatnot. Well, you know, they were drinking one day and they had decided that uh, he was working at a car wash for semi-trucks. So they have the big, round, uh, (laughs) uh, oh, whatever that thing is, the washer thing that goes on the the hood of the semi-truck. So it's a big, massive thing that just goes around over and over. And so, you know, they're drinking, and they're like, hey, y'all, watch this. And so they dared him, and my brother could never stop a dare. That's when you know that you're chasing after folly when you could get someone to dare you. So they said, I bet you can't ride that spinning thing. He says, oh, yeah. So he gets on it. He gets around it, puts his knees around it, legs around it, arms around it. And they turn it on and woof, and he flies off. (laughs) He says, that ain't happening again. So he goes and uh, he says, let's tie me on. So he gets on and they tie a rope or something around his uh, boots, around the thing. And then they tie something around his hands. But, you know, you don't want to have ligament marks, you know, uh, that you're tied up. So they put some towels around him and then tied it on. And then they put him on there and said, here you go. <laughs> and they turned it on. And an amazing thing happened is that his boots and legs stayed tied together. But the lig- things that the rags that were holding to make sure that he didn't have the ligaments slipped off. And so now his legs are hanging on and he's spinning around and around. And it happened to be that this was a full service station where they had the little thing underneath to change the oil. And it happened to be where he was just tall enough that as the people would stand in the station, that had that little uh, ledge. It was just tall enough that he would whack his head every time he would spin around. And so he's got a big gash, blood's coming and spraying everywhere, and they stop it immediately and they pull him off, and he's like, but I never passed out, you know. That's a cause for shortening of life. That's the idea of chasing after Lady Folly and having a life where it's shortened a while, I meant he needed those brain cells. He didn't have a lot left. He needed those brain cells. And that's going to catch up to him later. You understand? You chase after folly and you go, I'm gonna go do something stupid. It will have consequences later that will affect your life. Chasing after folly. Now we know that young people chase after folly all the time. And they don't listen to parents and say, don't do that. I could do it, and get away with it. There's always consequences for chasing after Lady Folly. But to embrace wisdom is going to have a longer life, a better life, a more fulfilled life. So in her right hand, you have length of days. In her left hand is riches and honor. Riches and honor. All of this is going to be put together to show what kind of life you could have. Now, in the Old Testament, long life was a promise to God, to his people, Israel. Now, we know that old age itself is not necessarily a blessing. We know there's a lot of older people that are not very happy. They can live their days shriveled, warped, drained, empty of everything that makes life worth living. What is desirable is to arrive at old age full, full. Only wisdom can guarantee such a triumphant climax to life where you could enter into life full, no regrets, not having the consequences of chasing after Lady Folly, to be able to have a life where your kids are still talking to you, having a life where you have, planned ahead and that you're not trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel, a life where you still have some health and life and strength left, that's the goal to have, not just to live a long time, but to enter it full. On the other hand, with wisdom, you also have a prosperous life, the pleasantness of a prosperous life, to be able to have wisdom and not wasting your money. Forgive me, I don't know why I'm in storytelling mode tonight, but you know, it's how it is. When I was in the military... I was stupid. I did a lot of stupid things. I'm not telling you some of them. But one of the things I liked was movies. It is what it is. So much so that I bought... This is back in the VHS days. I bought so many VHS tapes that I had them in my wall. uh, As a wall in my walk-in closet in my dorm room. I had more tapes than Blockbuster did. So much so that the other guys... uh, Uh, of the dorm would check out movies for me rather than go walk to the video store. I mean, I just had tons of it. Well, you know, I spent a lot of money on that. I could have saved it. Could have said, you know, I'm going to go save for college, save for kids, save for life insurance, save for something, save for whatever else. But nope, foolishness, I spent it all on garbage. I mean, how many of you have a VCR that you functionally use every day today? All right, so that's already not a good investment. On top of that, I joined a local church, started getting right with the Lord, started understanding that I need to give my life to following after God, and now I've got a lot of tapes that I no longer want to watch. So now I've got to do something with them. I've put an investment, I put thousands of dollars in this thing. But now I'm getting right with the Lord, now I shouldn't have these videos You know, now I got to get rid of them. So you have the fire cell. And now they're not going away. So I'm just giving them away. Thousands of dollars of investment. Just. It's foolishness. Many of you have that same story. Where you could. If you had all the money back that you wasted when you were a kid. You would have been doing all right right now. But we chased after Folly. Instead of wisdom. And because of that, there's consequences that we're having today that we could have had more of a pleasant, fulfilled life if we would have invested rather than chasing after folly. You understand the story now. That, you know, (laughs) and like you said, I'm not exaggerating. It was a wall. A couple layers thick. Thousands of VHS cassettes, Gone. Gone. Bad investment. It would have been a lot better to invest it in missionaries. If I wasted it all and gave it to missionaries, it wouldn't have been a waste. It would have been used wisely. <laughs> we understand we have stories. It wasn't right with the Lord. I wasn't saved. But we understand you chased after folly. No matter what state you were. And it's gone. We could have had it. We chased after wisdom. We could have had more of a riches rather than let it go to waste. Sin is a great spoiler. Takes everything that we have, and we have nothing to show for it. Such a waste. We need to seek after wisdom. Something else finding wisdom brings the fruit of eternal life. Finding wisdom brings the fruit of eternal life. Notice with me in verse 18. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to them that lay a hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. So notice this tree of life. For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, this should hopefully spark something in your memory. I think I've seen this before. You have in the book of Genesis. Remember, you had the tree of life. Two notable trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. After the destruction of the tree of life, or after the destruction of the Garden of Eden, the tree of life was transported to the future, to eternity future. John the Apostle gives witness to this tree in Revelation 22, where we're going to see it again, this tree of life. The Lord, by wisdom... (coughs) Knows that we're going to enjoy that in eternity future. That is something to work for. That when we go for wisdom, it's going to be that tree of life that continues to bless, continues to give us life, that continues to extend our life past ourselves. That tr- wisdom is that tree of life. If you're comparing the two trees, do I want the knowledge of good and evil or do I want the tree of life? Do I want to be able to know how horrible and awful I truly am? Or do I want to invest in the tree that's going to extend my life and let it be pleasant for the rest of it? I mean, you go back to Adam and Eve and say, all right, right. I know you just sinned. There's consequences. If you go back, would you make a different choice? yes. That tree of life would have been the one to stick with. Notice as it goes on. It starts speaking about God in his wisdom. Verse 20. 20, uh, Sorry, verse 19. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. So as we go to wisdom here, we see that the Lord by wisdom established and created the universe. The creation of all the world was done by God's wisdom. What do you mean by that? Because God knew how to make everything work together. If you look at our world and how it is put together, it is fascinating to take one element and to take it away would cause the whole thing to collapse and to fall apart. Everything has to work in pair, uh, harmony. There is a panorama of creation that everything has to work together in its specific thing or it doesn't work at all. It's an all or nothing type thing. And God by wisdom to put it together have how fast our earth spins, how far away to put the earth from the sun, even how close to put the moon to go around it. All of those things work together. And the panorama of creation. And God put it together by wisdom. He knew how to put it together. God created everything to be perfect. To work together. We know that wisdom, does it, <clears throat> wisdom doesn't bring us to nothing. It brings us to the one who created everything. Notice as it goes on. Verse 19, for the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth and by understanding he hath established the heavens. Verse 20, by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down by dew. So just as amazing as creation is the study of the Genesis flood which rearranged the world that brought the consequences to sin that made the world to what it is today and to see how God had organized it. After all, before the flood... The earth was two-thirds land, one-third water. Today we have two-thirds water, one-third land. Where did the water come from? Well, God had it put in store over the depths of the sea and over the canopy. He caused it a chain reaction for it to fall. He made the flood to to rearrange the world. All the things that went with it. You could go to a creation seminar that we'll do later on this year. We'll explain it more. But it, it, it works together perfectly. That God got accomplished what he was going to do. God knew what he was doing and he did it by knowledge. Solomon tells those who desire to pass this test to see how they will bow to wisdom or not. Is to notice what he says in verse 21. My son, let not them. Notice this word them. So this them is a plural pronoun. What is he talking about? Let not them. Well, in the context, notice in verse 19, wisdom uh, wisdom, understanding, and verse 20, knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Solomon says, let not them, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. We know that these are not synonymous terms. These are terms that we need together. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We need all three of those things. Notice as it now sums it up in verse 22. So that they, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, will be life unto thy soul. When we have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, it will feed our inner man, and notice this, and grace to thy neck. The soul and the neck speak of the inner life and the outer life. In the Bible... When we talk about our soul, it's our will, intellect, and emotion. What happens is that when we have wisdom, we have knowledge, and we have understanding, we're going to have life in the inner parts of us. We're going to have an understanding of what to do in the inner part of us, in our inner life. But not just our inner life. Notice this. Verse 22. So they shall be life unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. Now normally we don't pay attention to the word neck, but in the Bible, this idea of the neck is used throughout the Bible very importantly. The idea of the neck is used symbolically to indicate whether we're rebelling against or responding to the circumstances of our outer life. You'll see in the Bible that they made them to be stiff neck they harden their neck this carries the idea that the rebellious they hold their neck up and holding up straight i've got this but when we have wisdom we understand that we now bend our neck we bow down to the lord we surrender letting god work we know that we know there are times how to use our neck with wisdom knowledge, and understanding. God uses sound wisdom and discretion to make it available to use that we may have stability in our inner life and our outer life. It is our responsibility to see that we don't forsake wisdom for some forbidden fruit but we're chasing after wisdom that we may have it and to hold it. Again, we have the two personifications. And as you go through Proverbs, you're going to see lady wisdom and you're going to see lady folly. You're going to see how they're dressed. You're going to see how they carry themselves. And then you're going to see the results of choosing each one. In this passage here, we see the results of choosing lady wisdom. You have the picture of a fulfilled, prosperous, happy life. Whereas as you continue in the book of Proverbs, you'll have several passages that talk about when you get lady folly, that you have death, destruction, ruin, heartbreak, and withered life. That we get to choose which lady we want to be with. You want to choose the nice lady, the lady who's going to build you up, or the lady that looks like she'll be fun for a moment, Will she end up destroying you? Which lady do you choose? We should be choosing for ourselves this personification of wisdom. We should be going after wisdom and responding to the Lord and allowing him to guide us step by step that we may have fulfilled, prosperous lives that come as he guides us step by step by step. So which one have you been choosing? We could go story after story of where we failed at. Remember, we can't do anything about yesterday. But what you can do is say from this point forward, I'm choosing after wisdom. I'm going to walk away from this other one. She's just brought me nothing but heartache and pain. She's been nothing but horrible to me. She's sucked me dry. She's taken everything I have. I need to get away from her. I'm going to choose this lady because this lady is going to treat me right. This lady is going to help me prosper. This lady is going to help build me up to the way I ought to be. I want to choose Lady Wisdom. Let's follow after the Lord.